With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Makes it a two-point game. Here's your mismatch right here. Now it's Luka. Deep three on the Welcome to 77 Minutes in Heaven, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, the only Dallas Mavericks podcast, and in fact, I, I believe the only podcast covering basketball in any manner. Don't fact check that. No, no, no. It's it's the only one I'm doing right now, so it's the only one that exists. It's the only one that exists, man. Like, it's, it's wild that more people don't talk about the NBA. It's like, it's it's as popular as it is. It's, it's great. We're the only one. So, you know. We have the market cornered. Anyway, I'm Tim Cato. I write about the the Mavericks for The Athletic. This is Dave Dufour. He talks about the Mavericks um, on my podcast. Um, the podcast. I can say the. No, your podcast. Is, uh, your podcast. I, li- I like that you just took ownership of it. This podcast actually belongs to Mr. Athletic. So. <laughs> oh, man. But Mr. Athletic is a lovely is a lovely chap. I wouldn't want to take yeah, it Yeah, great guy. Him, great guy. Uh, yeah. Very charitable. Um, hey, look, very we got to talk about this Rockets game, man. Um, I. I I watched it live, which, you know, sometimes I do, um, but I rewatched it and there's a lot of good stuff there that wasn't there a week ago, defensively in particular. Yeah. And I mean, the obvious starting point is the, well, the defense lineup. was there. The defense was there. Yeah. That's the big, yeah, difference. I would agree with that. So, I mean, I will, I will push back in a tiny way just to say that the defense has actually been better. A lot of some to a lot of that is the Clippers outlier. Um, right, right. And I would absolutely agree that the defense has not been good enough, that the ways that they're failing is sometimes just a sign of, all right, this has to be better. This can't happen. You know, the rebounding struggle. Like they weren't a bad statistically rebounding team, but then there's, you know, there's times where they lost, like they lost to the Lakers because they got. 35 to zero outscored on second chance points. Right. And some of that is fluky. Of course it is. Like you never see that. And, and for good reason, and their underlying stats weren't that bad, but it's also, you know, what happens on the court, you still have to fix. Like, even if, if you're like, well, it's going to sort itself over time statistically, like that is not a, that is a, that is a way that I can talk about it. Sometimes it is not a way a coach can just say, well, let's keep doing what we're doing because what's happened to us is aberrational. Like that, that is not effective. It doesn't work. It's, it's not a strategy that works for players. Clearly part of the reasons that aberrational statistics correct themselves is because teams are actively trying to correct those things. So those, those absolutely go hand in hand. And um, it started with the starting lineup change and, you know, putting mm-hmm. Maxi Kleber and, uh, Willie Cully Stein in for Dwight Powell and Tim Hardaway. What do you make of that? Well, it's funny. The, the two big lineup, they, they've been avoiding it. And the, the truth of the matter is most of the league is starting two bigs. And and Maxie is hardly, you know, he's not a, a 
an old school big. I mean, he stretches the floor offensively. You know what he brings defensively. He can stay in front of a guy, uh, in particular, most fours. Christian Wood, maybe a little bit of a of an issue, but guys like that are going to give him trouble. But for the most part, he's a solid defender. I, I actually, coming into the season, kind of thought, I wonder if we were going to if we're going to see more too big. I wasn't thinking it would be. Maxi and and Willie Cauley Stein. I was thinking it would be Powell. I was thinking you know Porzingis. Powell, yeah, but Powell the truth Porzingis, is, yeah. the truth is, this actually unlocks a lot for them going forward. If if this is something they're going to do more of, uh, they have quite a few combinations that are going to work. In particular, if Willie Cauley Stein remains this effective, which you know, granted it's early, um, but he's been pretty good, I think, so far. Yeah, there's a there's a number of things I like about it. Uh, I think that. The flexibility. I'll start there since you mentioned it. If if you think about it, if you think about just the how rotational math works for for an NBA team, if the Mavericks are going to start Dorian Finney-Smith as a four, then there is no longer and and if they're not going to play Josh Green or Wes Awundu, then there is no longer a wing you can bring off the bench, and that means that you know you're either having to pull someone out early and then something back in. Your bigs, honestly, are kind of getting a, a short shaft because their big man rotation when Chris Stubbs gets back is going to be one of the deepest areas of the team, um, assuming Kali Stein performs, like like you said. You know, if that keeps going, then that will be one of the deepest areas this team has. Dwight Powell will continue playing uh, a lot of games, if not all of them, you know, for the most part, you know, barring a, a rest or, you know, small injury or whatever here and there. So, so yeah, I, I, I do wonder if, if the too big approach is the... You know, I, I do wonder, and I, and I do think that the two big approach is probably the path forwards. It's not where I was earlier, you know, coming into the season, because it looked pretty comfortable that the, that the team wanted to do Hardaway, Richardson, and Finney Smith, and I like that, and I still like that, and that's that is still probably the lineup the team's going to work their way towards um, in postseason matchups and games where they need to go smaller, um, the, the playoffs trend small. So it would, you know, that that is a lineup that that still is important to this team. But just as you look at each regular season game, I really like starting two bigs. Like I'm, I'm increasingly mm-hmm. liking that. It it helps you, you know. Certainly, it helps you defensively. I thought it was interesting, just from kind of an identity standpoint. If you're going to revamp the starting lineup, they didn't they didn't just say, "Well, this piece isn't working, so let's try like for like replacement." I, I guess that right. would have been Collie Stein. Right. Below. They also put Kleber in there, and they didn't take out Finney Smith, which would be another like-for-like replacement. They bumped him down, and they took out Hardaway. So it wasn't a statement that, let's try to balance things out. It was a, we're going to put our four best defenders on the floor, and Mm -hmm. we can talk about that in a second if you you want to push back and call his time, because I can talk a little bit about something I I wrote about uh, today, on Tuesday. Yeah, But they put their four best defenders next to Luka, and four defenders with tons of size, where Mm -hmm. the smallest player on the court is now Josh Richardson, and they right. said, we want to be a defensive team. And if it also helps our offense and makes our offense better to start games, that's great. But we're going to put our four best defenders and we're not going to lose the rebounding battle. This is the identity we wanted headed into the season. This is what we're continuing. This is like what we're now fully embracing because we've seen the starting lineup you know, doesn't quite get us to that level that we want to be at right now. Yeah, I, I think you kind of nailed it. And, and I wonder if the next iteration of this doesn't turn into uh, Dorian Finney-Smith coming off the bench and helping that 
bench unit out defensively and having Hardaway out there to add a little bit more space, a little bit more scoring punch. I mean, we saw what Hardaway did in that game against the Rockets. And he's not going to do that every night, but he does have that capability, and Dory, Dory Finney-Smith really doesn't. And I do think that there is going to be this tightrope walking for for this team until Porzingis comes back, where they are having to you know go back and forth, making the decision on leaning offense versus leaning defense, and it's going to be very much about Dorian Finney-Smith and Tim Hardaway Jr. I think that's going to be all season long. Yeah, the the only thing that slightly mucks it up in terms of you know Richardson's going to start um, when you're choosing between Finney-Smith and and Hardaway, you know I think that they're I, I would love flexibility. I get the sense that. Tim Hardaway is not totally chill with coming off the bench. Um, uh, you think? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm trying to walk in line. And, and it's not to say that, you know, as long as he gets opportunities, it, it shouldn't matter. And it, especially in games like last night where he plays starter minutes and gets starter, you know, scores like a starter, you know, has 30 points on 14 shots. That's great. And and may, it might not be an issue. Maybe he just, you know, is this good in that role and it doesn't matter. Um, maybe this role lasts for one more game. Like there, there is so much variables. Like I don't want to, I don't want to project. I don't want to say, you know, on a podcast, I don't want to do the, the wind horse thing where I'm like, please don't aggregate me. Um, because I'm not, <laughs> no, please anything. aggregate <laughs> us. Please aggregate us all you want. Yeah, Just on other, just on other parts. No, 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 no. On, aggregate on, everything. But, but when people come to listen, you know, make sure that you get the full context We're I'm not uh, anti-aggregation, but let's get all the context. <laughs> So please okay, aggregate. That's all, us. that's all fair. That's all fair. Yeah. Um, I used to be a responsible aggregator at SB Nation. That's right. We had we we talked about responsible aggregation. There is a good way to do it and a bad way to do it. Mm-hmm. Aggregation is not the problem. Anyway, this is a right. complete sidebar. <laughs> um, unless we're going to talk about uh internet journalism for the next hour, because I no. could. No one cares. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Um. So so yeah. The the, the point being. I do think Maxi for Finney Smith makes some sense. I think Hardaway in the lineup makes some sense. Obviously, like we were just saying, this lineup was was not that. It was not like for likes. It was a, you know, I really did see it as more of a statement about what the team wants to be. Um, there may be a happy medium. I, I would hope the happy medium, or I think ideally for for the regular season, especially the coming months, would be, you know, this kind of Luca Richardson, Hardaway, Maxi, Porzingis. And if mm-hmm. if you're putting Porzingis, well, you know, Porzingis and, and even Stoddard, right? Like you, that they have idea a big was man thrown role. out to me recently um, last night, and mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, that's crazy. And then I thought about it some more, and it's not. It's, not it's that really crazy. not. Yeah. It's not as crazy as I thought. But they and, have options uh, now, right? They, like, yeah, they do. They do. They do. And so, if you've got a guy that that Willie Cauley Stein matches up well with. You now, like, you know, you, you're going to have these lineup combinations available to you, which is why it's important that they're working those guys together now, right? Yeah. Like, why wait until Porzingis comes back when you can be building that that big man chemistry right now and then you're only implementing or adding one guy to what you're already doing? And it's much easier, especially because Porzingis seems to be a big that's pretty easy to work around for other bigs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's the most plug and play will benefit mm-hmm. any any basketball, you know, lineup he he could possibly enter into. Yeah. About Cauley Stein, I know we've talked about him on this podcast. You know, I think we did uh in our last pod of last mm-hmm. year. And all those things we said are still true. He can mm-hmm. be a 
he can be a spacey player, you know, inconsistent, certainly. Uh, Kali Stein's mistakes are, are I, I guess, like more visible, um, you know, and, and just like, you know, they're, they're different than Dwight Powell just being unable to, you know, actually affect somebody's shot at the rim where he's in the right place, but he doesn't have the lift to, to really challenge someone, you know, just for example. And Kali Stein, it was brought to my attention that, that he really has great defensive numbers for the Mavericks. It's, it's small mm-hmm. sample size, but, but we're including both this season and last season. Last season, he was used a little bit situationally. When you're used situationally, you're usually used against matchups that you're going to play well against. And thus, your numbers will look better. Uh, your plus minus stuff will look better. When you have a quicker hook, when you're not allowed to play through you know, uh, bad, bad stretches. That's another, you know, situation where your, your plus minus stats will be better, but he was best on the team last season, um, excluding kid Gilchrist who had an even stranger appearance on the Mavericks than, than Kali Stein's kind of, you know, introduction and then injury and then absence from the bubble. And then this season, you know, he's still best on the team. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that's interesting. I, I, like I said, you know, the, the spaciness sometimes makes you think he's not doing you know like when you see him just not box out and then give up an offensive rebound and the team scores you're like oh that's terrible but i I think there may be a overall you know when you look at the body of work there is an effectiveness that he's bringing defensively um and certainly offensively we saw that luca was actually throwing alley-oops again so so yeah i am i am increasingly becoming pro collie stein i was never anti-collie stein i i don't think i was just I was doing my best to explain if he wasn't getting minutes, this is probably what the coaches are seeing. Um, now that he is getting minutes, consistent minutes, I like what I'm seeing. I assume the coaches are seeing the same thing. Uh, I would be upset if he's not consistently playing until he starts proving otherwise. As Rick Carlisle said after the Houston game, he's earning his minutes right now. And he is. like He is, he is fully earning them and, and deserves to continue earning them um, until proven otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree completely. Well, we should talk about Luca as well, who played very well. Did not look like he was uh, just been at uh, hanging out at Cabo, uh, if if you will. So, so yeah. I mean, he's not shooting well. <laughs> he's not shooting well. Um, he's a little out of shape. Out of shape doesn't mean fat. It doesn't mean right. You know, doesn't mean that he is still not a generationally good basketball player who's top ten in the league, if not five. Um, no, but he's obviously think, not in in his top physical condition. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's, if he's five or ten percent off of what he is, like that that does matter to some degree. But but last yeah. last you know last night that was not that. You know, he did have eight turnovers. He missed thirteen shots. But you know, there's a few weird turnaround jumpers that he's attempting mm-hmm. in the lane now. That you know, he hit one, but missed a couple. Airballed one, in fact. I'm just a little confused at what the you know, what the long-term idea behind those shots are, you know, here and there, they're fine. But, you know, it's like three or four of those. Anyway, er, that's, early that's shot a, clock. Yeah. I, I would have to go back and look. I don't, I don't want to, you know, I know he hit one of them. And, and no, there's, in the past. there's some bad, there's some bad shots, but part but of those that are, is those, his, those are two pointers. Shot, Let's talk three pointers. Right. But his shot profile is not great anyway. Right. Like he, he shoots like 85% of his shots are pull-ups. So off the dribble threes this year, Going into that Rockets game, he was shooting like 16% or something or or 12% on three-point pull-ups off the dribble. Today, it's up to 21%. So this just goes to show how small the sample is. Like he was able to affect it that much in one game. And that's just 
off the dribble threes. Uh, he had a nice catch and shoot three in that game, which you know was barely a catch and shoot, but he, you know, it was a catch and shoot. And I think if he could get more of those type of opportunities, his three point percentage is likely to go up. But the the truth of the matter is, the shots that he takes are the most difficult shots in basketball. It's sort of it sort of like James Harden. James Harden hit a ridiculous amount of contested pull-up threes last year. Like, unsustainable. And he's actually doing it again this year. Um, but way outside the norm for him as far as the numbers go. Uh, Luca was at like 32% on those. So he's he's still almost league average on the worst type of three-pointer that you can shoot. That was last season. This season, he's been bad to start, but he just had a huge game gain from one game. So all of these referendums about will Luca be a good enough shooter or whatever, the truth is the defense is letting you know because they're still guarding him on those pull-ups. Uh, he's going to regress back to the mean, but I still think it is indicative and, and to a certain degree an indictment on the offense itself that he's not able to generate more than one look a game from behind the arc that isn't off the dribble. That that needs to change. They've got to find a way to fix that. Because it's it, it was like that last year, and so far through the seven games that they've played, it's still like that. Excuse me, six so, games. So it's me, still like me, that. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me toss some statements out here and 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 see whether you're which side you're on. So first one, the easy one. Like he's shooting, he was shooting eight percent, and now he's shooting twenty percent. He will be a low 30s maybe yeah. 30 exactly percent shooter this season um at worst true like agree disagree yeah he's going to be somewhere in that 30 to 33 percent range that's my expectation just because those are the shots he takes correct can can does he need to be a 30 you know even a like a 40 percent shooter or even a 35 percent shooter to win mvp to be the best player in the no league? no not at agreed. all agreed yeah and okay. james harden has, has demonstrated this if he shoots 40 percent somehow on those shots uh he's cheating yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 uh, that's that's nonsense stuff. So, yeah. um, does he need to be taking um, like agree or disagree? He should be taking as many threes as he is. He should be taking eight threes. Like it is important for the Mavericks mm-hmm. offense for him to take that many. Agree yeah. or disagree? I completely agree that him taking those shots and he's guarded on them. It actually opens up cutting lanes for other people. It makes it easier for the roll man and pick and roll because they're so worried about Luca. And Luca is is pretty crafty and is often able to turn that that defensive pressure into drives to the basket, which is of course important cuz that's when he's drawing his free throws. So, you know, there are plenty of reasons why a three-pointer is useful for your offense beyond just the it being a more efficient shot given the percentages yeah. and the points. But there are so many things that it does when you have a primary creator like Luca, who is able to hit those tough shots at the rate that he does, because even 32%, which sounds low, is still nuts for how defended those shots are. And in, in 30, so let's say he goes from 32 to 35 on those shots. That is one more make per week. You know, he plays three games in a week. That's one right. additional make. So that would be good. Make no mistake. Like, let me let me let me say that first. Like, yeah, it's, it's great. better to hit more shots like that. That one. That one's not hard, but it's not. Um, you know, I, I don't I would agree that it's not um, fundamentally what's important is that the shots are being taken and the defenses are reacting to them here. I've got I've got two two more for you. Um, well, I agree, say, disagree. Well, agree, disagree. You know, defenses pay more attention to Luca shooting a three 
than the percentages say they should. They do. I mean, right? yeah, yeah. He he has he has gravity for sure. Like he's never going to be left unguarded because he can create shots, and, and he also is a competent three point shooter. Like he's fine, and he's a willing three point shooter, which is the this most is what important. Marcus Smart has done for yeah. seasons. Right. Career, I mean, really. So Jeremy Grant in Denver was taking four threes a game and was hitting 40% of them. So 40% is a great percentage, but four threes a game, you basically are shooting zero for, for, for the job that he's got. So you don't worry about – like that guy's not a shooter. Just because you – like it's a shooter, not a maker. Yes, you need to make enough to keep the defense honest, but a 30% or 31% – three-point shooter who takes seven a game is going to be guarded, period. Right. And in particular, one that does it with the ball in his hands. So, yeah, they have to guard him. Like, you you, you know, you can't not pay attention to him. That's a disaster. Right. Yeah, I agree with all that. That That is, I think, the totality of my thoughts on his step-backs, his pull-ups, his – in fact, I thought it was interesting when the Houston game started. It seemed to me he made a conscious effort to get some better uh, pull-ups. Not the step-backs, yeah. but – the, the, he goes around to pick mm-hmm. uh, his defender goes under and he steps into that shot i thought he made a conscious effort to do that mm-hmm. i thought his first three looks were were very you know seemed like him you know uh, 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 to be honest they look like shots he doesn't take that often well and, and see this is what i'm getting at. out but this is what okay. i'm saying so he needs to that that effort right like we know that he can do it that conscious effort that needs to be the way he does it like honestly if he wants to be more successful that's the way that he should be approaching it. And then when and that's not there and you have to like, because too many possessions are ending late shot clock, Luca step back three. That is just, you're winding up in, in a disadvantageous position despite having, you know, 20 seconds to get stuff happening. And they have to find ways to get him better looks, but also to get the team better looks. This is why they falter late in games. Their their so their offense is just not creating enough of an advantage. Yeah, he so he takes he takes those first three. By the second half, he is kind of uh, probably the second quarter. He's he's reverted he's reverting back to you know every here and there he's just going to launch a wild one. Mm-hmm. And then there was a moment either late third or early fourth where he was wide open in the corner, wide open corner catch and shoot spot up three pointer. And he pump faked and he dribbled out of it. And then he got back into the mode he likes to play in where he's the creator, the ball's in his hand. So what I'm saying, I, I think you mentioned earlier, it's, it's an indictment on the offense, maybe to a mm-hmm. degree. I think Luca knows, you know, Luca is comfortable playing exactly one way. Sure. And it turns out that one way makes them, you know, a top three player in the league or, or, you know, something close. And that's not a problem right now, but no. long-term, if you want to get, you know, a third star, I'm not sure a third star is actually available in free agency. That's, a, well, that's not a, yet. another topic. Not yet, but not, he's not, Yeah, not at the moment. If they want to get a third star, if they want another ball handler, if, if they want to eventually over time, you know, reduce just how much he, you know, ball handling he does, how much creation ability he does, just, just by a little bit. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, you still want him, you know, having the ball as, as much as any player in the league or, you know, some, somewhere they're close then one thing they're going to have to do is kind of rewire the way he plays. Because that, that to me was just the striking, you know, as he's taking a step back, late in the fourth quarter but he won't take the wide open pull up corner three or right. or catch and shoot not pull up uh the, the wide open catch and shoot corner three that to me was just um very amusing and just very telling of luca just for whatever reason doesn't like those shots and and you know i think over time 
that one thought that popped in my head is that boy i do not think kimba walker signing him two seasons ago two summers ago would have worked because it would have caused luca to to kind of change how he plays way sooner than he seems comfortable with and i just yeah something i just i did do not feel you know i don't feel good about it in terms of you know the injuries that kimbo is suffering and how much money is committed to him that boston is committed to him i, I think in that way it's certainly a, a a concern but especially just in the way that i think it's going to be some time until you kind of sway luca into just being a positive off-ball player and he's not there yet and he doesn't have mm-hmm. to be it doesn't really matter you know it does but it doesn't like you know like right now on january 5th or whatever day it is um time isn't real on january 5th it doesn't matter it matters in 2023 i think mm-hmm. a lot more it might matter this april it doesn't matter right now he's this good you know he's he's working back into shape he's he's almost there he had a 33 16 11 triple double he is one of the best players alive and so the reason we talk about this stuff, the reason we harp on his negatives is just because we've said everything positive we can say about him. Like we, it's, 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 uh, it's hard to critique, you know, it's hard to critique someone who is, who is this good. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think, I think that's why we keep coming back to the three pointers, why we keep coming back to the off ball stuff. And, and uh, this is, this is a, this is a tiny blip that does need fixing that eventually could be a much larger blip or at least something holding them back from, you know, championship contender status and all that. But, uh, but yeah, he's a, uh, he's real good. Yeah. I think it's safe to say, yeah, he's real good. They, listen, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, just like an update after two weeks, like um, the, it's not as bad as it looked occasionally, but it's not as good as it was last year. Not yet. That's kind of like the state of the Mavs to me right now. And the big thing is going to be, what do they look like between now and when Porzingis comes back? And this lineup change sets them up for more success without Porzingis. And Porzingis is coming back, what, what are we thinking, like three weeks? I, I think it's weeks or maybe days, double-digit days. I, I don't think mm-hmm. he's back next week per se, but it seems like he's going, you know, he's he's fully practicing and, and all of that. And they need to be cautious. Let's say it's three weeks or three-ish weeks. You know, the, the games they have coming up is a, is a visit to Denver, Orlando and New Orleans at home, they uh, a trip to Charlotte, Milwaukee, and Milwaukee. Come back to host Chicago, and then three road games against Toronto, Indiana, San Antonio. Now that that stretch does have Milwaukee in there. Uh, Denver on the road is is tough. Um, Orlando, New Orleans, Indiana have all had good starts. There is one title contender in there. You know there are several teams that are probably not playoff teams who already beat the Mavericks, which. Could be taken either way, but I would personally spin it as there is no way this Mavericks team is losing to Chicago twice, is losing to Charlotte twice. You know, I I, I certainly personally feel more comfortable about you know them them actually being able to beat those teams the second time around. So uh, I guess I guess my point is if Porzingis is not back until January twenty second, if he's not back until January twenty sixth, they're fine. They're going to be fine. Everything is fine. We knew it would be a slow start, um, especially when we kind of saw where Luca was at. Uh, it doesn't mean there aren't concerns and, and, you know, and not, they're not as deep as I thought they were. Even when Przingis gets back, I have some questions about some of the role players, um, who are both playing in, in terms of, you know, where, where Pal is and where James Johnson is. And also in terms of, you know, the ones that are not playing that a one do in, in green haven't got runouts, um, which 
probably means they're not ready and and probably means Rick can see that in, in practice. So I am a little worried about their depth. It does feel like they're they're maybe missing one player. Um, there's there's probably a few other things I, I have some slight concerns with. But overall, I, I think this team is about where I expect them to be. I, I would have probably guessed four and three, not three and four. Um, but mm-hmm. that they're about 500 and that they're going to stay maybe about 500 until Perzingis gets back. That's fine. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And uh, they'll get there. And once they get there, I think there is a I, I think I've seen signs that there is a there is a better, higher level of play they can reach. I don't disagree. I think you're right. Cool. Well, that was my little soliloquy um, as I'm uh, as I'm known to go off on. And uh, here's a uh, ending to this podcast as I'm known to uh, also go off on. <laughs> We're done. That's Thanks it. everyone for listening. Thanks, Dave. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week. Yeah, we'll be back next week. See y'all then. Oh, my God. It's a wrap.